Hello, and welcome back once again to the Inquisitor podcast with me, Marcus Kauke. Richard Dutty, would you mind giving 60 to 90 seconds on your history, please, and how you got to this moment? Quick uh, whistle-stop tour. I, I've uh, come over from South Africa a number of years ago, 20-odd years ago, now living in the UK. And uh, during that time, I've been on, on different journeys, both corporate journeys and entrepreneurial journeys, but it led me to... 10 years ago, opening up my, my own business, Scale Up Consulting, where I work one-on-one uh, with executives and founders to scale up their, their, themselves and also, and also their businesses. And during that time, I also realized to have a, a bigger impact uh, on, on my ecosystem and also society in general, I wanted to sort of broaden the, broaden the scope of, of my work. So I've gone out and uh, I produce and, and run a podcast called the, the FinTech Scaling Show, and we talk to you know evangelists and founders and figure out exactly what they're doing uh, to scale up their businesses. We reach you know it's a global uh, it's a global podcast platform, global listenership, uh, and off the back of that, you know I also host a uh, a global community uh, of of leaders, uh, evangelists, uh, entrepreneurs, and founders where we meet up once a month and we discuss big topics that are preventing uh, these folks from from scaling up themselves and also their businesses. So I'm going to be a little bit contentious here. Yeah. I suspect to a large extent it's the illusion or delusion of control that what what people want is a sense of certainty. And the way to get that is by getting your people on side. Otherwise, that's a a part of it. Yeah, 100%. That is a part of it. Otherwise, you spend an awful lot of time in supervisory. Well, here's the thing, right? Uh, and yeah, you have to get your, your people. I mean, who, what are, who are your people? Okay, so let's think about that. Because um, a lot of times people say, yeah, okay, I need to get my team on side. Okay, well, who is your team? Is your team the people, the 20, 30, 40, 100 people that you're employing? Or is it slightly larger than that? Is it the investors? Is it the 100 people you're employing? Or is it the partners? Is it the, if you're in if you're in a regulated market, or is it the regulators? So you have to get these people on side, hundred percent, right? These this ecosystem needs to be on your side, and you need to be leading that ecosystem. And communication, obviously, is is the silver bullet. I don't want to say yeah, is the silver bullet that can go a long way to releasing you into a, a role that actually you're leading this ecosystem. And you are the game. You are the game player. You're the person controlling it. When I say controlling, I don't. I don't mean like uh, back in the day, controlling as a as a negative thing, like micromanagement, etc. I mean, people have trust in you. People want to follow you because it's that they understand your purpose. Yeah. When I say people, that ecosystem, right? So, yeah. I guess. Uh, I guess uh, it's a bit broader than that. I mean, I like to call it uh, and phrase it the. You know, in my business, it's the LCR triangle, right? So LCR, LCR triangle. Yeah. yeah, leadership, communication, and relationships equal profits. One, if one of those are out, then it's going to be a bit of an issue for you. Talk to me about LCR then. Yeah. Okay. So you know, before we get into to the LCR, LCR, let's let's first give the listeners a bit of uh, an understanding of what LCR is, right? LCR is a, is a concept I, uh, I came up with for my business, Scale Up Consulting, that would help my clients really move away from the noise of trying to figure out what needs to be done in order to get to the level they want to get to, right? So, I came up with the methodology so we could look and focus on leadership, communication, relationships that all then lead to, if in sync, would lead to profits, right? Mm-hmm. But above, above all of this, even before we start looking at LCR, the, the bigger question that uh, I always ask when I, when I start working with, a, with an individual or a company is, Tell me your purpose. What is your purpose uh, in, in life? What is your purpose in this business? And believe it or not, uh, Marcus, there's 
a lot of ambiguity around this. And there's a lot of, of grayness when you know, founders or executives tell me their answer. And it's interesting because if you don't have a strong and powerful purpose, how are you going to lead? How are you going to communicate? And how are you going to build those relationships that will then lead you down a road to scaling up and generating sort of those profits that you want in your business, right? Yeah. So yeah, so this is uh, this is the this is I guess the, the methodology that that we came and look at the purpose, really dig into that purpose, have a strong strong purpose. Then you look at how you can go out and and lead. Now, when I say lead, I don't just mean lead your team internally, but lead your ecosystem. You want to have followers. There's this thing called demand generation. Now, you want to have these people following you towards your purpose. These people could be partners, could be investors, could be uh, obviously your, your team members. They could be potential prospects, clients, but you all want to be marching towards a purpose together, right? And then once you have that, obviously, you're going to be able to communicate. And you know, communication right now, I mean, we can must already do a podcast on, on uh, a separate podcast on communication, but communication as a, as a founder and executive right now is you know, one of the, the top, top skills that you really need to get to grips with, especially uh, in this world that we're moving into, um, this, this virtual world rushed on by, by the pandemic, right? You need to know how to communicate on video. You need to know how to communicate on Zoom. You need to know how to communicate in a LinkedIn text post. All these elements allow you as a founder or an executive to run your business the way you want to run it 24-7, 365 days a year because there's going to be cons uh, consistent communication out to your ecosystem, right? And off the back of that, be able to build the relationships, build the community that you want to build to, which will lead you down a road to you know, where you want to get to, your desired location, whatever that may be. It may be a virtual business. It may be a, a 100, 200, 300 strong a people business in a specific market. But if we're not, you know, leading, communicating and building those relationships, that end journey is quite difficult to get towards. So what I'm really interested in to begin with yeah. is the common blind spots that founders and executives have that cause them to prevent the business from growing? I sort of mentioned this uh, already, but I'm going to give you a bit of a story. I'm from South Africa. I mentioned it uh, earlier, earlier on. And I grew up in the, just at the cusp of, of when we were transitioning from this apartheid era to this new dawn and what, what's now referred to as the rainbow, uh, rainbow Nation. And I was lucky enough to be the wave of, of youngsters that was caught up in a, a time where everyone was optimistic about our future. At some point, we, you know, I, I, I did sense there was a bit of anxiousness uh, amongst the elders as to whether we would go into you know, civil war and there would be conflict and we would follow the route of you know, the Zimbabwean route uh, as you know, you know, many uh, African countries had, had sort of followed. But you know, we didn't. And why didn't we? One of the vivid memories in my life was listening to Nelson Mandela in 1993 and him telling us, in your life, guys, because uh, it was a boys' school, you have the power to choose and the power to decide. You have that power. And he showed us that he had that power to choose, the power to decide, because he could have chosen a route of conflict, but instead he chose a route of reconciliation. Why? Because his purpose was bigger than, any, than anything that any influence, influence was influences were putting into his putting onto his table. His purpose was to create a inclusive society that made certain both black, white, colored, different cultures could could thrive and enjoy the, the luxuries of a of a brilliant country. 
and that's what that, that that's what that's what he sort of spoke about when he spoke to us in '93, and it inspired a, a group of a, a group of youngsters, and it inspired a nation to sort of move forward. Nelson was the person, you know, giving uh, Francois Pino the Rugby World Cup in 1995. Why? Because he wanted the the Afrikaners to in, be included in his purpose, not be on the side of his of his purpose. Right. So it comes back to purpose. If you are a founder and an executive, having a strong purpose, and I don't just mean profit. <laughs> Profit is not a purpose, but having a strong purpose will allow you to reach the, the height you want to reach, right? And I really believe that this is, you mentioned blindside. This is the start uh, in most cases, as I, as I said earlier on, the start of all conversations I have. And lots of times, as I said earlier on, people just brush over it. But then you, you, it's, if you brush over it, there's going to be issues. <laughs> there's going to be issues in your leadership, your communication, the relationships you built, because it's vague. You don't understand it. Others aren't going to understand it. And the following that you gather and the people that you gather and the momentum you gather is going to be sort of, is going to be out of sync, right? So- Wasted. Um, Exactly. And you don't want to waste all that time, effort. You put in time and effort into it, time, effort, money, you put in sacrifice into it, your life sacrifice, your, your family sacrifices, other people are going to come on the journey. I mean, get it right and take time to get it right. It doesn't mean, it doesn't matter if it takes two years to get it right, but get it right. And most probably it will take a bit of time, right? You have to try and test things. Things just don't happen. We're not all a, a Facebook Let's be honest, right? We would love to be a Facebook or a, you know, a Twitter or, or a PayPal, but not, not every company is going to be like that. Really? Right? I think that a lot of people would be perfectly happy to settle for a successful business that was profitable, that was sustainable, that did a great job, that was fun to come in and work in. Others want a bit more, but I think that we seem to have forgotten in the rush and the drive for efficiency that it's the intangibles that people come back to us for. The must-haves that they come to us with are table stakes. That's the I should bloody hope so line. That's you turning up and being credible and reliable in terms of delivery. But for them to let you in, it's all the soft stuff. It's the going the extra mile. It's knowing that uh, that you have buyer safety front and center in your mind all the time. It's knowing that you offer protection. You'll take a bullet for them if you have to. That you have their best interests at heart. You put that you know your self orientation is low, and that allows them to let you in. And that's where the golden nuggets come from. That's where you get the vision, the strategy, the true motivation, not the stuff they pay lip service to. Yeah, let's be honest. I mean, you, you, you know, we, we've been talking about they, we're talking about prospects and, and, and potential clients here, right? So, and, you know, right now in, a, in the world we live in, believe it or not, you know, it's also our decision or your decision as a business to decide what type of client she wants. Why not? Why do you have to leave it on the table for a, a client to decide? In most instances, you know, not, nothing against clients and, and prospects, but in most instances, the, the solution that, that we could provide, maybe they don't really understand, right? So it's actually up to you as a, as a founder, executive, or, or, or potentially a, a person in sales to really, I don't want to say educate, because uh, that, that is just lip service. It's for you to make the decision. And it's for you to take them on that journey. And you can do it in multiple ways, right? Is not just talking like you and I are talking right now. You can use things like ClickFunnel. You can use other mechanisms in, in the digital you know, atmosphere to really make certain that the people that are coming into your world are the right people. And then, as you say earlier, you can have a business that's fun, that's profitable. Why? Because actually, just like you selecting a team member to come in or an investor to invest, you're selecting the clients that you want to work with. 
right? Hallelujah. Um, you, you have to be selective. You never compromise yeah, yeah. on recruitment, whether it's people for your business or customers. Yeah. Like, listen, you, know, you and I are aligned. This. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no quick win in anything. I mean, I, I know we talk, there's, there's accelerators and boosters. There's all this stuff in, 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 the, in the atmosphere. But, you know, in all honesty, you know, it, it takes a bit of time, a bit of sweat, a bit of tears to, to know who your audience is, to know who your public is. And um, once, once you're there, that audience is public, as you say, employees, pros, uh, uh, clients, investors, once you're there, you know, then you start having fun. And that's what business should be about. It should be about two things. Not, it should be about life and business because you need to intertwine it because if you're not intertwining it, you know, you, you might end up getting divorced. And I'm not you know, I'm being quite dramatic. Uh, not at all. I want to give you, I want to get that point out. There. <coughs> like, well, you need to sort of, you need to enjoy your, your kids playing tennis or enjoy them, you know, growing up. Just because you're a CEO or a founder doesn't mean you can't do this. And this, the, the, the crush 24-7 culture is just BS, right? It's bullshit. Completely. <laughs> yeah. and, and there's no need for it because... Exactly. But, but again, I, I'm really interested in your thoughts on this, Richard, because when I look at sales, management, leadership, um, the entire revenue operation, what I see is a wicked problem. It, it's comprised of multiple problems that are running in parallel, most of which have been self-inflicted because everybody has to deal with the economy. Everyone has to deal with the pandemic. So that's a leveler. Um, and you know, th th there's a, an adage I learned years ago, which is your business is perfectly designed to deliver exactly the results that you're getting today. Mm. Now, if you haven't designed it, it doesn't mean it's not designed perfectly to deliver the shitty results that you're getting that you're disappointed about. So I'm really curious about the design function of management and leadership because they seem to spend next to no time on it. Well, I mean, you know, that is a, a huge subject. And <laughs> it's a subject that, that is not given enough attention. I just like you. I run into uh, problems uh, all, all the time with um, common problems that you know people businesses are growing, and they're going from twenty to thirty or thirty to fifty, and there is a there's no clarity or certainty as to what this organisational structure needs to be in order to make certain that they can actually do that. There's yeah. a bit of a, a mix, a, a mish, mishmash as to on the way to getting there. And it seems to be acceptable, but it's not acceptable. You as a founder or executive or, you know, need to be responsible for, you know, that, that, that structure and that ecosystem to make certain that your team and, you know, the, the, those people that you're taking along the journey can actually function if they can't function, they're going to leave, and then you're going to be you're going to be an issue. So, you know what we do at um, Scale Up Consulting is it's further down the path. You, you know, look at look at the operational structures very early on, right? And actually, what what I found, what we've come up with is what how do I say this? We look at each and every department. And view them as a production line, yeah. Because right. each and every department needs to be producing something, not just the tech. Yeah, you, you are delivering. You're going to deliver a tech solution, or you're going to deliver a consulting service, whatever it is. That, that is one function. That in the end product is a good service to a, to a client or a good product to a client at the highest level. But you know, sales or business, I'm going to say business development. They have a product what is that product and i like to call, call it the valuable final product maybe the the valuable final product for business development which is pr marketing and sales is a a pipeline full of customers or, and prospects that actually want to achieve the purpose that we are setting out to achieve 
you know, let's call it that. Then if you look at maybe admin or, or, or finance, what is the valuable final product? The valuable final product is making certain that as we grow, we also store money away to invest in future plans and future developments and also make certain that there's money stored away for a rainy day. So I'm just giving you a couple of examples. Then you have to actually break this down. From your valuable final product, you break it down into sub-products, okay, to, to go from, to go from you know, the outcome of, of where we want to go, in this instance, maybe storing money away. What do we actually need to do to achieve that? Maybe three or four things, right? And then we start really sort of putting those into practice and executing on them and running data and stats off the back of it to lift that information up so that executive, I don't want to say committee because that is a very old term, the executive group can actually manage their business on stats. And we don't, we don't do this on a, uh, on a monthly basis or on a quarterly basis. We do it on a weekly basis. Why do we do it on a weekly basis? Because if the shit hit the, hits the fan, i.e. there's an emergency somewhere, we can apply emerg- an emergency condition to it and we can okay. solve that problem. To, in order to run a business, a turnkey operation like that, it's critical that you start asking the right questions up front because I, I've seen so many organizations go the way of predictable revenue models, but they're fixated on lagging indicators. And the answer to everything that goes wrong is more power. Double the headcount, double the spam rate, double the dial rate, uh, double the demos, double the proposals you knock out. And you're still going to have a shit conversion rate. It's just going to be based on the law of larger numbers. Listen, I mean, you have to find the problem, right? And this is the thing. You have to, if you want to manage a business, you've got to manage a business. You don't just, so in order to manage something, you understand the problem, you know, you obviously have to look at stats. And it's not always, it can't always, the problem can't always be solved by getting more people in. I mean, just, it does, it's, it's, I guess we're talking hypothetically, but the problem can't always be solved by, by that. But, you know, if, we, if, you're, if you're able to assign, if you have different conditions that you as an exec, as an exec or founder say that, tell your department heads to, to run and figure out exactly what condition their department is. Let's say there's a, there's an emergency condition, which is, you know, there's a lot, something has to ha- happen. We need to get some help. There's a power condition, an affluent condition, which, you know, power is, yeah, we're going in the right direction, but uh, there's a bit more to be done to, to get towards affluence. Affluence is something whereby we are leading the market, we are market dominator, et cetera. And we do that department by department, right? So, so you are, as a, founder as as an executive, you're starting to control your destiny towards your purpose, block by block. And I I get the people, I get the people, give me a second, I get the people discussion, but there's also, as businesses move forward, there's other things that that will come into play to put certain conditions into a a department. So, okay, this may be a moment where we agree violently or we lock horns. At moments like this, where the executive or the leadership team is saying we need to do something about, and they pass that down to the managers, experiences. Why, 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 why do they pass it down to the managers? There's a chain of command, so there will be things that the managers need to do. But here's the thing, right? Maybe you know you say, we say managers, but maybe it is the executives and the founders that need to roll their sleeves up and figure out a, a, a scale that allows the, the team to start moving towards a new condition. So they have to also be part, part, of, part of the solution rather than just yeah. putting down the challenge, right? No, 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 no one's arguing with you on that, so uh, yeah, yeah. 100%. So uh, at the moment, we're finding common ground. I know, um, there you go. My, my question <laughs> is this. How often do you see managers have coachable, trainable, teachable moments which they squander by offering a solution? And as a result, they become a bottleneck and they fail to tap into the creativity, 
the experience, the diverse perspectives of their people? Great question. And again, a, a, big, a big topic. You know, I'll say this. Everyone, we chatted about this earlier, right? So before we, we, we kicked off the show. Everyone has the ability to, to lead. Everyone has the ability to create. Everyone has the ability to create relationships. And, you know, it's important that managers, let's say heads of departments, know that they are able to create and bring in outside. I, I, when I say outside help, I don't mean bringing in a consultant or, or, or others, but bringing in knowledge, maybe it's internal knowledge, to help solve a, to help solve a problem, right? Because sometimes the collective and the knowledge in the collective is, is more powerful than you looking at a problem and going, okay, let's go down that path, right? I definitely see that, I don't want to say, but at the same point, there's, there's also stronger guidance. I firmly believe there's much stronger guidance required from you know, founders, executives on how to sometimes solve these problems because you know, things are tricky. Always you know, cookie-cut answer. It's not always what your competitor did. And being able to work as a, maybe a, a, a team, when I say a team, it could be one, it could be two, three, or four people, even a larger team to solve that. That's where the magic happens, right? So th- th- this really excites me that you're speaking like this because this opens up some really, really bloody difficult questions. Okay. Don't know if this so, is a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> well, no, this is a good, well, certainly from my perspective, it's a great thing because we can chew the fat on it and maybe come up with some ideas. Uh, but it strikes me that. What you measure happens, what you don't doesn't. So the law of unintended consequences is if what you're measuring is driving undesirable behavior, you need to review what you're measuring and you need to really measure leading indicators that deliver the wow experience for the customer. So if you don't have a cross or, or upsell, at least there's a referral. The second thing is compensation drives behavior. And so I have this raging argument in my head and with other people about whether compensation should be performance-based or you should take away uh, individual performance-based compensation and you should tie performance-based compensation to team performance against the customer achieving their outcome, achieving consumption and adoption targets, and the third renewal. First one might be by accident. Second one, you could kind of get away with it because they forgot to cancel. But the third one, they have to want it. So I'm going to, I'm going to maybe chuck a span into the works here. But that's all right. That's cool. That's, uh, that's what I want to do. I, I, think, I think we live in a different world now. I just, you know, I can see it. I, can, I, I, I listen to it. I can see here and feel it every day. And there is, I know maybe... With our sales hats on, we think in you know compensation revenue, and I get it. You know that that is the function of of, of sales. But if we were to just think a, a bit broader for everyone, and you know look holistically across you know a company, a growing company, what are the drivers? You got you got to ask yourself the question, right? What are the the drivers that make people want to come to work now in in an age where it's it's very it's different. What are the drivers? And I firmly believe that it comes back to that that question we asked early on. Even as an employee, right now they want a purpose, right? They do want a purpose. And actually, I've actually run a poll on this. Literally, I've done a poll on this this week on LinkedIn. I asked everyone. I said, "What are your drivers for for 2022?" And I put profits and revenue in there. You know where it was. In the list of four, yeah, it was fourth in the list. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because, you know, that is the end goal, definitely, to well, to most probably get towards. But there's other things along the chain, right? Well, it's a byproduct. Exactly. It's not the, it's not the goal in itself. If you make it the goal, 100%. then the customer becomes a, an inconvenient, exactly. forgotten afterthought. 100%. And um, the, the goal actually is the valuation, certainly within tech. Uh, yeah. They don't give a damn about profit. 
Yeah, well, there we go, right? Um, so we want a team that can actually get us to, let's say, that valuation. And if you want a team to, that can get you that, to that valuation, you have to go deeper than, than just the, the, the dollar sign you, you're going to pass them on a monthly basis and, and look at actually what they want in their life, what they want in their, their career, what their purpose is, and does that align to, to, to the business's purpose? And I recently, I mean, I went deep into a, to a session with a, with a good friend uh, a few weeks ago. And, you know, he's totally flipped the scales on this. And uh, he's doing such a cool job in doing so. And he's now not even asking the question around purpose anymore. It's crazy. He's asking this question. He, he says, you know, Richard, we did ask that at the start because it was a, it, it, and it is an important question to ask when em- employees are coming in. But right now, the question that we are asking in our business is, what can we do as, as founders to ensure that our team, you guys and girls, can stay here for the rest of your life? They have, they're actually having this poll in their company. So mm-hmm. they want to build this, this business that is very inclusive. People, are, are trust, people trust each other. And I think if you're looking at the end result, which is, you know, let's, let's, let's not beat around the bush. We all want to generate profits for our business. We all want good valuations. But purpose and trust are going to get you, get you there. And this shouldn't be overlooked. It's not, going to, it's not a lipstick thing, right? This feeds into levels of employee engagement. The moment, employee engagement levels, highly engaged employees only constitute 9% of the UK workforce, according to a Gallup survey, 14% in Europe. So, um, you know, we we are far behind. The US apparently is 35%, but I don't believe that statistic for a second, because 42% of their population is changing jobs this year. So I think it speaks to that. It also speaks to uh, so many other things, because if we've got the compensation scheme that drives undesirable behavior, if we have a measurement scheme that drives unintended consequence, if we have the money behind us, their actions and their behavior permeates our organization. So founders have a really important responsibility to select the right money. And that's such a tough job when there's so much money sloshing around. Mm -hmm. And many founders have been duped into believing that actually getting raising funding is a positive milestone because for most of them, it's the death knell. Yeah, you hit uh, the nail on the head there when you said responsibility, right? And uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, this this word responsibility is is, is taken out of context, and you, we think that being responsible, we're going to get blamed for something or, or something like that. And it's, it's 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 not true. Actually, if you're responsible for your business, which you should be responsible for your business and your team and and all the growth that uh, it, that it's going to go through. It's, it's, it's something to be proud of, but you need to wear the hat. You can't just give that responsibility away to others. You and you alone are the person that is going to be, you know, ultimately accountable, responsible. But it's a good thing. Wear it, enjoy it. Well, <laughs> let's see what happens. And also, also, you know, sometimes, Marcus, say no, right? It's not often. Yeah, often say no. So just say no. Yeah, if you don't like, if you, I mean, this happened to me this past week. I got, I got an email over the last few weeks. I got an email from quite a quite a well recognized brand. They're looking at. They wanted to award me a a leadership uh, award for for the work that I've done in, in financial services. I thought, oh, this is great. And actually, I got uh, I got selected, and I thought, okay, that, this is interesting. I, I'm you know quite happy to take a look at it and participate. But the further I, I looked at it and the more I did my due diligence on the award, on the actually what's happening behind the scenes, the more I became disinterested. Because why? Because, well, you know, am I here <laughs> in this world to get awards? Or am I here in this world to really help founders and executives do some cool stuff? And my answer was the second answer. So my awards come when my, my, my <laughs> clients do some cool stuff, right? Okay, well, that, that's a really uh, critical characteristic for 
anyone in a coaching or management role. Um, I do have a really important question, though, which I'd love you to address. When an organization is scaling up yeah. and operations is not built before sales, what happens? Well, <laughs> I've been in these, uh, these situations a few times. It becomes a bit hectic. I mean, to, to operations is a big word, by the way. I mean, there's a lot of things in operations. It becomes a bit difficult. I mean, we mentioned earlier on, you need to have the vision as to what you're going to lean into in the next 12 to 18 months. You have to have that, that structure. If it's, you, have to, you have to have that structure on a piece of paper. What is your, where do you want to go? you know, from 12 to 18 months from today, right? When, when I say that, I also mean you as a founder. Do you want to be the CEO? Maybe you don't. If you don't, you need to also create the structure that you can go into the founder or the executive box and bring in a CEO that helps scale and run the day-to-day operations. Because if you as a founder are not a operational management type person, you're more of maybe an evangelist or a creator, there are going to be issues. Or a technician. Or a technician. There are going to be issues when you start scaling up. So there's lots of questions. I mean, there's lots of questions that you have to go through and and answer pretty quickly. Right. Um, So on that note then, uh, in terms of a quick checklist of stuff before you start the journey of scaling up, what do you need to make sure that you're, you're planning for and putting in place before you put in place the mechanisms to scale so that it doesn't all come crashing in around you? I'm going to divert people to, to, to a list on, on my website because there's, there's 37 questions there and it goes across um, communication, it goes across leadership, it goes across operations and also goes across, it also goes across relationships. If you can answer those 37 questions, truthfully, you'll get a good assessment of what you need to do right now in order to scale up your business. And don't beat around the bush because there's no, there's no right or wrong answers. The right answer is making certain you have the plan to actually scale up. And, you know, go to my website, www.scaleupconsulting.co.uk. It's the, you know, it's the first um, you know, list on the, it's the first tab on the, on the website. It says scale up diagnostic, take the test. I'll get back, to the, get back with the answers to you in 24 hours. It will help you, will help you a lot. Excellent. Okay. So let me ask you this then, uh, in terms of the team that founders need to build around them, my experience is that often people will recruit in their own image only weaker. When they're putting their team together, what should they be looking for? People brighter than you. People that have more knowledge than you. Yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm just going to leave it there. You can, you can go on to a catalyst of different things, and also people that are aligned. I'm going to come back, align to the purpose that that you want to achieve. If, if that's out of sync, you know, you know, the LCR triangle is going to be out of sync. Uh, more knowledge, brighter, uh, and aligned to the purpose. I think if you can build a team around that and not just a, an, a, an executive team around that, but a, but a broader team, heads of departments, even people that are working in those departments, then you're onto something really special. And there's a, okay. there's a few companies out there that, that do this. So given what you said earlier about command and control. Uh, not uh, command and control. Let, let, let's oh, be, sorry, contra- control. It's positive control, right? And positive con- control comes through trust. Right. So that's the point I wanted to build on. Yeah. Um, so how do you ensure that the manager is able to become unattached to all the stuff that historically they're used to dealing with? Because by the time they hit 40 people, anything that they do makes them a bottleneck. Okay. So let me understand that question. I mean, so unattached to, to all the historical stuff. How, how, how do you get them to let go? How do you get them to let go and trust their people to okay. go off and do their job without... So, so here's the thing, right? It's, again, in society in general, trust has to be earned. Interesting, right? Why does trust have to be earned? You're bringing someone into a job because you obviously like, you, you think they are the cleverest, smartest person to do that job, but then they have to build up this trust 
this trust in the organization to go off and, and do what they need to do. And I, I just don't believe that. I think, uh, and I believe that trust starts from day dot. Trust starts in the Absolutely. interview process. You have to give once you give, that trust. You give exactly. You, you, trust is automatic. And you give them from day dot, they have the autonomy to go out and do what they need to do to become successful. Obviously, obviously you're, you're also as a, an executive founder, you, you're there to also guide them and coach them if you need to. And you're there as a sounding board. But this person or this team should, uh, should be fully accountable for, uh, for what they are, for what they are, are tasked to do. If they're not, then you get into the rigmarole that we, we, that, that we spoke about <laughs> and the politics. And you want to avoid that because you're creating something cool. You're creating something that everyone wants to be a part of. You're creating something that at one point in time is going to have a cool valuation. Give them trust. Okay. So in order to give trust, to get trust, um, you also have to be willing to get intimate. Now, yeah. a lot of managers and a lot of leaders are very uncomfortable with that and very standoffish. Why is that crucial? It's interesting to say that, right? It comes back to the LCR triangle, the R, relationships. Yeah. What is the most common denominator in business? People. If you don't, if you don't like interacting with people, don't run a business. Don't be part of a, a growing business. You know, maybe go and do something else. Relationships, people are the most critical elements to your continued expansion. And you got to get over it. And you, if you aren't able to build those relationships and build those communications with your team, you know, there's ways to, to go around and learn those skills. So go out, learn them. You, you'll surprise yourself and your team uh, with, with what can be done with good relations. And well, you have to get intimate. I love, I love the word intimate because you do have to get intimate, right? You have to know this person. It's not just, you know, Joe Bloggs coming in or Jill Bloggs coming in nine to five, Monday to Friday. No, it's not. We want to, you know, go out, you know, play golf, we, uh, you know, go to tennis matches, you know, get intimate. You know, it's life. Life and business are intertwined. Treat it as such. Just you can't separate the human being from the exactly. role. Hundred um, percent. You, you can you can segregate the two as an individual. I, I can segregate my role function uh, from my identity, who I am. But as a manager, I have to accept the whole human being. And um, what what the pandemic has done is it's really uh, shown a gaping hole between great managers and the rest because of how they've responded to the pandemic. And what I'm curious about is in all of this systematization, how do you prevent dehumanization? Big topic. <laughs> You've got about four It's, it's interesting though. No, let, let, let's, let's do this. Let, let's, 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 uh, let's do this. I mean, you and I, Marcus and Rich, uh, have, uh, have met uh, a couple of times and we've also exchanged a few emails. Through that, I think actually, you know, we get along, right? We sort of brought the human elements into, into our relationship. And we've sort of, you know, you've said a couple of things to me and I said, yeah, let's, let's, it's fine. Let's, let's go on with it. It's, it's, you know, life, it's fine. And I think it's as simple as that. I haven't met you. We haven't had a, a beer or a coffee or a gin together, but there's a relationship here, right? And how, how do we do it? Because we actually maybe are nice guys and actually realize that relationships are critical to anything. Like if we didn't have a cool, uh, a cool relationship, would we have a cool podcast? I don't think Probably so. not. Yeah, it, would be, it would be pretty boring, pretty dull, and it would be like, yeah, don't really want to listen to that, right? Same thing in business. Right? Exactly the same thing. And just because we're on Zoom, I mean, I've, like you, have, have interviewed a number of, have had a number of podcasts over, over the last couple of years and all on Zoom, but I've built up some brilliant relationships. And uh, I jump onto the call with, with guys, just have a chat now. We have like a little coffee, 30-minute coffee, just have a, a catch-up. So yeah, just be yourself. Just because, you're on, uh, just because you're in a virtual world doesn't mean that you can't get your, your personality across. 
No, I mean, there, there are an awful lot of people who think that their superpower is breathing someone else's air. You do get a slightly closer and you, you can read more of the non-verbals that uh, will get lost or diluted through Zoom, but it's a perfectly viable medium. Um, yeah. Okay, so help me out. Here's the thing, but, but, just, but here, here's the thing, Ryan. I think, I think just on that topic, I mean, I mentioned it. Uh, I work with you know, executives and founders to, to help them uh, in this new digital world because it is new, and I get it. And people are like, okay, how do we actually act on Zoom? How do we, how do we get people to do stuff that we want to do via Zoom call? How do we sell on Zoom? How do we you know, run a webinar? And these skills are just so fundamental to your continued success and your continued ex- expansion. And, you know, I and you know, myself and, and, the, and the team at Scale of Consulting make certain that everyone right now that, that we interact with have these skills that once you have these skills, that the communication floodgates open because you can use them in various different ways, right? It is an essential skill to, to start sharpening now. You should definitely check out a company called Ebster, E-B-S-T-A, if you haven't come across them. Yeah, yeah. They're just breathtaking in terms of the level of visibility and clarity that it gives to the management layer without any of the guesswork and without and removing the admin burden on the sales team. Okay, so we're coming to time. I'm really curious, what are the three most frequently unasked questions that founders and leaders should be asking themselves, but they don't? I feel like we've covered a, covered a few of them, right, uh, already. I think the one, I'm going to say one, um, I think... The one thing maybe that we haven't really dived into, because uh, we've dived into purpose, we've dived into relationships, we've dived into in, into communication, and I think those three are, are critical. If you have those three and you you understand how how they work and how they can work in sync, you can have a better life. You can have a better business. But the other thing is, you know, don't be fooled into the stream into into societies. I guess, stamp on your forehead that says, by the way, you're a business owner, you have to just do that all the time and that's your life and, and that's what you've got to do. Because it's bullshit, right? You have to really dig deep into yourself and figure out what you want from life because life and business work together. So the biggest question I'd say that, again, also goes sort of unanswered is, what do you want from life? Where do you want to go? That's a crucial question, and so few people bother to ask it. Yeah, what do you want from life? And you know, if you, you know, and how will this? If it is a business venture, how will this business venture take you there? Because once you then bring that into the equation, again, we said fun. You can start having fun with your business, right? And that's what you know, life is about, man. You go out there, have a bit of fun. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs, but you know, you know that that's actually the ride. The ride is good, right? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent, Richard. Look, we've come, we've come to time, unfortunately. If you had a golden ticket and you could go back and whisper in the ear of the idiot 23-year-old Richard, uh, what choice bit of advice would you give him? I'll say to myself, in every line of, of communication, always give a call to action. Always tell and show a, a person the door. Paint that door. Maybe even open that door for them because they're not going to find that door themselves, right? So I'd like to, you know, definitely, I wish I'd learned that early on. Make certain in all your communications that there's a call to action at the end. Don't just leave it in the air and for people to figure out how to, how to connect with you or how to, uh, or how to um, you know, buy a product from you. That's, that's very good Show practical them. advice. Excellent. Okay. Um, what would you recommend people read, watch, or listen to um, around the area of scaling up? There's tons out there. I mean, I, I love uh, I love Brunson. Uh, he's great. Who's sorry? Uh, Brunson, Russell Brunson. He's right. brilliant. Uh, ClickFunnel, what he's done in that world is just super amazing. Uh, I'm using it in my business. I work with my clients in it as well. It's just you know, incredible. I, I love all things around around digital. So LinkedIn, uh, you know, all social stuff. Sean Cannell, uh, YouTube channel, Sean Cannell. Is, How do you spell uh, that? C-A-N-E-L? 
C-O-N-N-E-L-L. He's, he's brilliant there as well. And, you know, there's a lot of different podcasts out there. I like to go a bit, uh, a bit raw. Jeremy Ryan Slate, a good one out in the States um, that, that I also like to listen to a bit because he, he talks about life and business and I, and I quite like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm big into uh, obviously sort of YouTube channels and and podcasts. I think those are the, the best mediums. Uh, and also I'll pop you a few others that you can put in the show notes, but I'd, I'd recommend those three off the top of my head. Excellent. And how can people get hold of you? If you're an executive or if you're a founder and and you're looking to to scale up and sort of move forward in in 2022, I I believe it's it's the best time to do that. Uh, why? Because we're entering into a new world, right? We're entering into a new world of well, we're entering into a new digital marketplace, and you need the skills to to go out and, and really boost and expand your not only your, your business, but also your life. And what I want to do right now is I want to offer everyone that's, that's listening to this a copy of my, my new book that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. And I'll offer it to them for free. If you get in touch with me, uh, it's uh, richard at scaleupconsulting.co.uk. I'm happy to share this ebook with, uh, share this ebook and this book with you. And it'll be great to, it's a, it's a way of me giving back. As I said before, I want, uh, I want to be able to give back to, to businesses and business owners in a way that helps them scale up. This is my way of, of, of helping you guys uh, do that. So get in touch with me if you want a copy of the, of the free book. It's a coalition of all my interviews and all my client experience wrapped up into about 80 or 100 pages. And uh, it, it will be a brilliant uh, source for your resource for you. So it's again, it's Richard at scaleupconsulting.co. Excellent. Richard Dotty, thank you. Thanks, mate. So this is Marcus Kauke signing off once again from the Inquisitor podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with me, Marcus at laughs-laughs.com. And if you think you'd be a good guest or you know someone else who would be, then do please put the two of us in touch. In the meantime, stay safe and happy selling. Bye-bye.